to take you to a moment with me for just a second. This is the moment. It happens uh, maybe once a year, and my wife and I decide we're going to be fancy, okay? We're going to get, like, uh, some, some, somebody to watch our kids, and we're going to go, and we're going to have a fancy date. And so maybe I'm just going to play this up because this has never actually happened. But let's pretend, like, I'm going to go to, like, a really fancy restaurant. That's the first part that's never happened. Um, the second part, uh, and we're going to go to, like, a really classy, like, I don't know, museum. Do people do that? We're going to a museum. We're going to a museum. So here's me, okay? This is, this is my closet, Actually, it is literally closed from my closet. It's also going to be our prop today. This is my closet. And have you had this moment and you're like, what do people wear at fancy art museums? What do we hear? I got this, this, but I got this for weddings and funerals. I'm not sure that that counts. And you go through and you're just like, and you're trying to figure out, what, what do I wear? You've had this moment, right? You're getting ready for an interview and you're picking through. What, what do I wear? And then, and then like you get here and then you have to go down like, like shoes. For a guy, like, okay, we've got three layers we've got to deal with. Top, middle, bottom, you know, shirt, pants, shoes. Ladies, I'm, I am so sorry. The more I learn about what goes into your procedure, it's like, man, I couldn't handle it. Like, before the top, middle, bottom even starts, there's, like, under layers, and there's, like, there's accessories, there's hair, there's all this stuff. Don't even get me started on shoes. You've got shoes that serve no purpose, but you have to have them for some purposes. And so it's like, all this is going on, right? And you're at this moment. When you're standing at this closet, the, what you put on, it really uh, sets the tone for what you're going to be able to do later, right? High heels, there's not going to be much dodgeball in the evening. It's just not going to happen unless you're just extremely skilled. What you put on is going to set the tone for the things that you do for the rest of that day or the rest of that evening. We do this every day. And sometimes it's superficial stuff, like, is this going to make me look good? We do that first thing, we, we, we get dressed, and then we look in the mirror. Have you ever had that thing where you're packing for a trip? It never happened to me. But where you've got like nine outfits laid out, you're like, I'm going to be there two days. This is, too, this is going to be too many clothes, right? And you do this thing, and, and we look in the mirror, we're checking it out, we're trying to figure, what, is this what I need to wear? Uh, there's, there's superficial reasons. But then there's like maybe some more practical reasons. I love camping. I'm an outdoorsman. I love camping. The one reason I love camping is because I can put on clothes on like Friday, and if I'm spending like two days in the woods, I don't have to change clothes for two days. Like, and I need a lot of pockets, so these, these, these shorts will work fine. You know, it's like, I'm good to go. And if you're judging me, you've never been camping. Because you're just like, uh, yeah, I mean, you don't, you're going to stink no matter if your clothes are new and they stink or they're old and they stink. It makes it so much, that's practical. Uh, maybe for some of your jobs, you got some nurses and some doctor type people, and you wear these scrubs, and there's pockets in certain places, and maybe it's easy to wash these things. I don't even know why. why do, y'all have to tell me, like, what are scrubs for? Is, it, is there a reason? But it's, there's practical reasons to it. A lot of it is just being able to have on a sterile environment in some things. Maybe you put the little booty things on. It's, there's practical reasons. And as you continue to put on these clothes, you find that what I put on is going to determine what I do. But then there's an even deeper reason. Uh, sometimes when you put on certain things, it determines the choices you will make. I mentioned our veterans earlier. You put on that uniform, you've made a choice. We've got some uh, law enforcement officers here, uh, you know, paramedics, uh, firefighters, and, and you, pu- you put on that uniform, you're making a choice. I'm going to serve and protect. I'm going to step in harm's way. I'm going to help people. Suddenly, standing in front of the closet has this whole new meaning. I will never forget the night before ninth grade, and I'm looking at my closet. I think it was a dresser drawer, you know, but I'm standing there going like, what do I wear? And I began to be increasingly aware that I don't think I know what cool is. Uh, Whoa. 
Do kids in high school wear this stuff? I don't know. This is a hand-me-down for my cousin. Like, I just don't have any new clothes. And, like, I remember having this feeling, maybe you've been here, of embarrassment, you know? I, I hate this outfit, but I can't go to school naked, so I'm going to have to put something on. And if you've been, you're right. And if you've been, and if you've been in this moment, then I want to kind of take you to that space and, and hold there, okay? That's, this is going to be an analogy that's going to serve us really well later. But just kind of pause there. And we're in this teaching series that we started last week called First Fruits. First Fruits is a deeply biblical principle. And it's, it's the idea of giving God the best of me. I want to take the parts of my life and I want to give him the first. If you were a farmer and you gave someone the first fruits of your crop, that's saying a lot. And this is, I don't know if these crops are going to produce more fruit, but right now I want you to have the first. A lot of times, if I'm honest, I want to give God the best of me, my first fruits in my life, but I find that I often just give him the leftovers. You ever been there? And it's just like, you know, man, if at the end of the day, like if like there's not a show on Netflix I need to catch up on and it's not too crazy late, I might just spend a minute just praying or, you know, if this week, like, if it works out, man, I hope to spend just a few minutes in the Bible this week. That'd be great. Like, if, if I have the time. Or, man, if this weekend, if, like, the weather's not too nice and, like, the boat's not functioning and, and if there's not, like, a game on, maybe I'll make some time to go to church. Or, like, if I see somebody in need, like, if I have a couple extra bucks or a few extra minutes, maybe I'll pull off and help them. But, you know what I mean? And, like, I'm not, this is not me judging you. This is me judging me. Okay? So, relax. But you can judge your own self. You know, because, man, we want to give God the best. Sometimes we just give him the leftovers. And we're like, I, oh, I realized I didn't make the time for you today, God, or for you this week, God. The, the idea of first fruits is this. God, if I give you the best of me, the best of this moment, the best of my time, the best of my money, the best of my resources, the best of my passions, I recognize that that's coming out of my personal account of the thing that I have. Therefore, God, I'm going to trust you with the rest. I'm going to trust that you're going to make more time for me. I'm going to trust that you're going to help me pay my bills. I'm going to trust that you're going to help me have enough energy to do what I need to do later. And that's why we're taking this four weeks to just unpack what it means to give God our best, our first, our choice slices of life, so that we don't be a group of people who gives them the leftovers, the afterthoughts. The moments when we just don't have anything else better to do. Last week we kicked off the series talking about a very simple way to put God first. Jesus says this thing, whatever you've done for the least of these brothers of mine, you've done for me. And what he's saying is when you serve other people, the phrase last week was others first. When you put other people first in humility and in service, uh, like what we're talking about with uh, National Adoption Month and foster care, and, and we talked about... Um, Compassion International last week, and we still have compassion packets. By the way, I want to celebrate. We had four uh, kids picked up last week, four packets. Praise God for that. Um, but you got these, these moments where you can put others first, and God says, when you do that, it's, it's like putting me first. And so that's one way we can do it. But it's real easy for us to do that and then still not really get better in our day-to-day stuff about putting God first. What does it mean to put God first? We're going to be in the Bible today. Uh, we always look to the Bible to the an- for the answers to our uh, life's most important questions. If you've got a Bible with you, we're going to be in the book of Colossians today. Colossians is in the New Testament. It's a little short book. Uh, if you're kind of new to flipping through the Bible, you might want to look it up in the index. It's t- totally fine. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we have free ones that we give out in the lobby. There's a table right as you came into this room. Uh, feel free to grab one on your way out. Also, the, the verses are going to be on the screen behind me. 
Uh, we'll be in Colossians chapter 3 today, and last week we were in two other books, very close to Colossians. We were in Philippians chapter 2, we were also in Galatians chapter 6. All three of these letters, Galatians, uh, Colossians, and Philippians, and several others, were all written by the same guy, the Apostle Paul. And it's really cool, as you look through all of these books, there's a lot of repeated themes throughout the books. It's like if you read the one book, you read Philippians, and then you turn over and you read Colossians or Ephesians or Galatians or a couple of other of these writings, you're like, I feel like I've read this before. It's really interesting because what Paul does when he writes these letters is he's writing to Christians in different areas where he has helped start new churches or other people have started churches and he's writing them letters of instruction. This is how you should live. This is how your, kind of your church should function. This is what it means uh, to put God first is really a lot of what he talks about. And it's interesting because he writes these letters to all these people all over the place and he's telling them all the same things. You know what this tells me? They all had the same struggles, the same questions, and the same problems. And you fast forward to where we are today, sitting in theater number 10 at the, the, the Wilmington AMC 16, and guess what? We all got the same questions, the same struggles, the same problems. And that's why when we read these, these letters, it's so relevant. I get it. Yes, these are things I'm questioning. These are things I'm struggling with. It's interesting how much of Paul's writings are still relevant today. Okay, so we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3 today, almost the whole thing. So if you want to kind of put your thumb in that spot and keep returning to it, let's go ahead and jump in. I want to read the first, I think, like eight words. And uh, this phrase, if you are a believer in Jesus, if you decided that you want to be a Christian, uh, these first uh, seven or eight words, this would be a great way to start your day every day. Uh, It's a reminder. Let's just look at them. This is how it goes. Colossians 3, verse 1. He says, Since then you have been raised with Christ... It's a cliffhanger, okay? We're going to get to the rest of it, but hold on. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. This is a reminder. If you're someone that you're here today, and you're just kind of exploring church, you're exploring God, you're not sure, like, I don't know if I would identify myself as a Christian, but I'm here because I think it might be a good thing. I'm really glad you're here today, because this is just like at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. All throughout Paul's writings, he has this concept of being raised with Christ. Uh, You can read a lot about it in in Romans chapter 3 where he really fleshes it out. I'm going to put it up on the screen here so we can read more about this raised with Christ idea. We just sang a song that was like uh, the chorus, (laughs) raised with Christ. And so here goes Romans chapter 3, verse 6. Let me say that again. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. This is what he says about this raised with Christ thing. He said, don't you know? That all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Plug that word death in your mind. Think about it because this rising thing is about life, okay? He says, we were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So there's this raising. There's this putting to death. Baptism's a really cool imagery of that, actually. And I think that's one reason why Jesus talks about it and the apostles talk about it all the time. He's like, when you, when you decide to serve Jesus, get baptized. And there's a lot of stuff that happens there, goes on there. But there's this image that happens, too. He says, like, I'm going to go down into this grave. I was buried with Christ through baptism. That's what it says. It says, it's like you're saying, down in this grave, I'm leaving the old me. The old me is dead to me. I'm putting it behind me. Now, if you've been doing church long, you sometimes know that there's some uh, zombie yous who raise every now and then from the dead, and they're trying to get control again. But you're saying, no, as far as I'm concerned, I want to put the old me behind me. Why? So I can be raised to walk in new life with Jesus. So that's this deep, so, okay, back to Colossians 3. 
tracking with that? That's just a, that's that first eight words. Maybe that's the reminder you need to give yourself every day. But we're going to pick it up again. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. So since then you've been raised with Christ. There's that phrase. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. When I was uh, in sixth grade, I had this desire, this passion, this one single focused mission in life. And it was, if you were ever a sixth grader, you might have had this same thing, to have my very own puppy. I've got a sixth grader myself, and he has one of the same visions of life. Uh, And we don't need a puppy right now, son. Um, But, you know, you ever had, man, so I, uh, I, this is what I did. My parents gave me permission. We were dog people. We had dogs. It was great. And they were like, you you want your own dog? That's fine. Okay, but you're going to need to save them money to to purchase the dog. And you're going to need to show us that you can be responsible so you can take care of this thing. And uh, so, okay. So I set my mind on this thing. I started working my butt off, saving money. I remember I saved my Christmas money, my birthday money. Just so you know, uh, uh, kids, there's a handful of kids in here. Just so you know, saving your birthday money, your Christmas money, that's not the same thing as working to save money. You got that money for free. But so then, I, I then began to work. And so I'm like asking my mom for odd jobs around the house. Like, can I do this for five bucks? Can I do that? I'm calling my grandma. Like, is there anything I can do? And I'm doing all this stuff. So I'm working, working, working. I'm saving this money bit by bit, piece by piece. And then meanwhile, I'm showing my mom at every turn, like, I can be responsible. I can do this. I'm like, I'm making my bed. I'll never forget. Like, this is the dumbest thing maybe I ever did as a kid. I don't know. That's a long list. But I remember, like, I was like, I'm going to show my mom how good I can clean my room. So I got the iron, and I, like, I ironed my sheets and my pillowcase. And I put it on the bed, and I showed my mom, and she was like, you made your bed? I was like, I ironed it. She was like, yeah, don't do that. That's a waste of time. I'm like, I'm showing you. I, but I'm working really hard. I did all these things. And I remember I went to the library. I checked out a book on taking care of dogs. And I'm like, looking at all the breeds of dogs. I wanted this. I built this little box that, that I could put the dog's toys in. I'm like, that's going to be good. And a little spot picked out. And like, I wanted to show, this is what I'm telling you, okay? I had set my heart on getting a puppy. As we just read in Colossians chapter 3, what Paul tells us is that we need to set our heart on Christ. And if you've ever set your heart on something, and you've worked really hard for it, maybe it was a job, maybe it was a degree that you've earned, maybe it was a promotion, maybe it was a new thing for the wardrobe, maybe you got all these things and you work hard for it, you know what it means to set, you wake up, you eat, drink, and sleep this thing. You ever played a high school football, and your coach was in your face, and he was like, you got to do this, do this, do this. You're doing the 6 o'clock practice. You're doing the two-a-day afternoon practice. You're doing workout in the afternoon. You're watching your nutrients. You're doing all this stuff because you set your heart on something. Maybe it's a championship. Maybe it's just to make the team. And what Paul's talking about is so much bigger than a puppy or making a team or getting a dog. What he's talking about is being raised to walk in new life. To live in a state where we're cool with God, where he goes, I'm going to bless this life that you have so that you can be a blessing. It's this whole thing. And he says, so set your hearts on things above. He says, where Christ is seated. Now, if you ever had to do one of those things, um, I know a lot of people have done diets. And and one thing they do is they'll put a picture uh, of, I don't know, a bathing suit they want to fit into or a dress, a wedding dress or a thing. They'll put it, it's an inspiration thing. And they're like, or, or a, a meal that like, if I can lose this much weight, I can then have this cake. I don't know if that works. But it's like, there's this thing, you drive for it and you post it somewhere. And so what Paul says, listen, when you set your heart on things above, let me remind you, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. 
Put your eyes on Jesus. That's the inspiration. That's the poster. That's the motivational poster that you hang in your, in your mind. Let me tell you a couple of things we learned about Jesus that are kind of inspirational. Uh, we talked about this last week, how Jesus lived sacrificially. Like, you ever met someone, you're like, man, that, that's just a good person. I want to be like that person. And that's the way Jesus was. So much to the point that he gave up his status as God in heaven. He said, I don't need to hold on to this. I'm going to release that privilege that I have, and I'm going to come down to earth. I'm going to live as a human. That was Philippians 2. We looked at that last week. That's one thing about Jesus. We see also uh, that Jesus, as he lived as a human, he was tempted in every way, yet did not sin. That's inspirational. Kind of makes me go like, man, I just probably need to try harder, right? And, but it's just like this thing, like, it's inspirational. I can, see, I can see that he set this example. In Hebrews, at the end of the book of Hebrews, this is really cool. It said that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame that the cross gave. He wasn't even worried about the, the shame that the cross gave him. But he, he had something set before him that gave him joy. You know what that thing was? The salvation of our souls. He's like, I'm willing to do this. And so Paul says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. You get down in the dumps, you get confused, you get worried, you don't know what to look at. Just remind yourself who Jesus is. Set your minds on things, your hearts on things above. Then in verse 2, keep on reading Colossians 3, verse 2. And he says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I'm not going to take the time this morning to, to, to discuss what's the difference between setting your heart on something and setting your mind on something. We could talk about that, and there's like some nuances there, but it's essentially the same idea. Like to be all in. Like I want to, I want to focus on this thing. Set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. And he says, you died to this old life. And so don't set your mind on that. Don't set your heart on that. Set your mind on Jesus because there's a bigger goal, there's a bigger end. As uh, he looks through the next, the next three verses, I appreciate this about Paul. Paul loves lists. If you're a list maker, you love Paul because Paul's like, I'm writing, I'm writing, I need to give you a list. And then he does like subcategories of the list. And we're going to get into that right now because he says, listen, this, don't set your minds on earthly things. Okay, let me make you a list. Let me give you a list of some things that you might want to set your mind on. Verse 5, he says, so put to death, therefore. Whatever belongs to your earthly nature. He lists these first three, sexual immorality, impurity, lust. It's interesting that these three things are kind of the same thing. Like, look at them. I mean, they're pretty much the same category. But he's like, I recognize how big a deal this is for you guys. So I'm going to say it three different ways, and I'm just going to attack you three different ways. So those things. Keeps going. He says, also, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Greed, which is idolatry, this is huge. Um, I really wrestled with this this week, the concept of, of greed, and I look at our culture, and greed is basically saying, like, I just got to have this thing. I need more and more and more, me, 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 which is the opposite of what Jesus teaches us to do, which is serve, 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 love, 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 love. And we, we, if we all kind of took an evaluation of our minds, our hearts, we'd probably say, well, I'm not greedy. But then I just watched the iPhone 10 commercial. And I'm like, I, gotta, I need that, man. Like, my life would probably be a lot better. Like, I don't even know what that phone does that mine doesn't do. I don't even know. But, man, like, the, that screensaver on the commercial was cool. And I'm pretty sure that I need it in my life. And we started to stack up all the things that we, like, drool over. A new house, a bigger house, more rooms, a new boat, a new car, a new, uh, new relationships, more money in my pocket, a bigger raise. Like, all these things were like, man, 
maybe I'm more greedy than I thought I was. You know, and so it's just, psh, there it is. And he calls that idolatry, like as in an idol. That we've made this stuff like God in our life. And if you don't quite see that yet, hang on, because we're going to see. That's exactly where Paul's taking this. Verse 6. It's funny because uh, he just keeps going. He says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life that you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Now, we had a list, and you're like, that's a pretty good list. But he pulls out the fine-tooth comb, and he's going to make another list right now. And it's even more specific. He keeps going. He says, so rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, buckle in, filthy language from your lips. He says, don't lie to each other. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices, you have to wear, you have to put on a new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Because here there is no Gentile or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised or barbarian or Scythian slave or free. And on all those things, basically what he's saying is like, look, no matter where you're from, what color your skin is, what language you speak, what creed you ascribe to, what religion you're with, what God wants you to do is rid yourself of all this stuff. And the only answer on the other side is, but Christ is in all and is all. Quick thing. This is not the point of today's teaching, though it really could be. Are we going to get this list perfect? Check, 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 check. If you do, let me know. I would love to mail you a cookie. Like, you did a good job. But we, we are going to mess these things up. And so what Jesus knows is we need to do our best to rid ourselves of these things But what you need to know is Christ is all and is in all. It is Christ's forgiveness. It is his love. It is his sacrifice that covers our debt of sin when we we can't quite uh, make it. (laughs) We can't quite do it right. So this isn't a thing about get it right, be perfect, or, or God doesn't love you. But what he does want us to do is pursue this life that he created us for, which does not involve these things. And there's other lists in other places because Paul loves writing lists. You can read those in his other letters. All these things are very common stumbling blocks. Things like lying and anger and greed. And what he's saying is you can't have your mind set on Jesus when your mind is set on these other things. Which brings me back to this closet. Because we, we wake up in the morning and we go to the closet and what we put on sets the tone for what we do for the rest of the day. And what we put on sets the tone for the choices that we make for the rest of the day. I established that earlier. But when we wake up with a mindset of greed, <laughs> we put that on. I just gotta, I gotta go to work because, man, I gotta pay those bills. I gotta make that green. I gotta get paid today because this is what it's about. And you, that's what you're putting on. And you wake up and you are angry. Because somebody did you wrong, and I'm not saying it was okay, but that's what's guiding you today. And you stand at your closet, and you're like, I don't know, but I am ticked. <laughs> Going to work right now, buttoning it up. And, and when you wear that stuff, your mind is set on that stuff. You cannot have your mind set on Jesus. Why? Because he's not first. He's not what you're focused on. He's not what's driving. He's not what you're putting on. Put on. He's not what you're, what you're wearing. And, and, and I got this idea looking at verse 9. I want to put it back on the screen because this is exactly the analogy he gives us. He says, you've taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on a new self. You know what that sounds like to me? A wardrobe change. 
You have decided to wear something different. What I put on is going to set the tone for what I do and for the choices that I make. And so I'm cho- when you get home from work, you might have an office job where you got to wear a tie and, and stuffy clothes. And when you get home, man, tie is off, put on the lounge pants, and you are laid out on the couch because what you put on has set the tone for the choices you will make. <laughs> I'm going to watch the TV, you know. And so it's, that's what we do. And in the same way, we've got to say, look, I'm, I'm taking off those other things. The things that used to consume me, the things that used to drive me, the things that used to be my number one priority. I can't let that be what I set my mind on anymore. And we stand at the closet and we say, i got to put on something else. Verse 12 brings it home for us. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, he said, clothe yourself with, here's your new wardrobe, compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and bear with each other and forgive one another if you have any grievance against someone, and forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, I love it. He gives you like a trench coat. Like you got, you got the outfit on, but over all these other things, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You're smart. I don't have to unpack this for you. I want you to take the time to read it, talk about it with your family. If you're in a small group, what does it mean for you to clothe yourself with each one of these items? We are going to have a teaching series later next year where we're actually going to go through these actual items and like what does it mean for those things to be in my life. But um, man, I love how Paul summarizes this whole idea. We're going to go back to Romans in just a, for, for just a second. In chapter 13, he takes this whole thing, clothe yourself with dot, 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 and he rephrases it in Romans 13, 14. He says, rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Like He summarizes all those things. Clothe yourself with Jesus don't think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. I put all those things behind me. And so I'm going to put on Jesus, and I'm going to do my best, and I'm not going to think about the ways to gratify my flesh and the old me, and I'm going to set my eyes on Jesus, and I'm going to move forward, and I'm going to put on love on top of all of this. I'm using this closet metaphor for two reasons. Number one, because it works. I mean, this picture of taking off and putting on, uh, clothing yourself with Christ, it just works. You can see it, right? I mean, you've all put on a shirt before. At least you did this morning. So at least one time, you've put on a shirt, so you're like, okay, I see this visual. It's like actually making a choice. This is what I'm going to wear for my life today. But I did it for another reason, because of this. I want to get in your head. (laughs) Not me, like God. I want God to get in your head, because guess what you're going to do every day for the rest of your life? Stand in front of a closet. Or a dresser drawer, or wherever you, whatever you got, armoire. I don't know. And you're gonna stand there, and you're gonna look at your clothes. You're gonna be like, "What do I wear to this interview? What am I gonna wear to work?" And I want, I, I want you to hear Paul in your head. Let me clothe myself with Christ. Whatever I'm wearing today for work, whatever I'm wearing today for for school, whatever I'm wearing. I mean, th- those are important decisions. I highly encourage clothing. But put on Christ and clothe yourself compassion and kindness and humility and patience and these attributes that are going to say my mind and my heart are set on Jesus and I might not be good at it all but I've decided to leave the old me down there and I'm going to rise up and I'm going to walk in newness of life with Jesus maybe you're in a place right now where you know I don't know Christianity is just it's on your radar you're here I'm so pumped that you're here but you've never really taken that step to say I'm in I want to be a Christian when we become Christ followers and make this deliberate decision, it, it, that, that putting on thing, it totally happens. I love Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. It kind of mirrors something we read earlier. I'm just going to throw it on the screen just to think about it. It says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all God. You are all, sorry. Through in, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. I mean, believing who Jesus is and, and like learning that. Faith is huge. 
For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. This idea of, of submitting to Jesus and saying, I want to live this life for you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to have faith. Even when I don't have all the answers, I'm going to have faith. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to be part of church community. I'm going to be involved in this, the work of God's kingdom on this earth. I'm going to do my part in making that decision. I mean, it's clothing ourselves with Christ. Suddenly we get a whole new wardrobe from God that we can begin to pick through and choose from and decide how am I going to interact with this world that God has placed me in. If you've already chosen to live for Jesus, this is a reminder. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is, seated with the Father. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Where you died And your life is now hidden with God in Christ. It's like, where is my life? Oh, I discover it in Jesus. There it is. And and all you got to do is talk to anyone, a number of people in this room right now who are like, you know what? I chose Jesus with my life, and it has dramatically transformed every part about me. In fact, I want to kind of give an invitation real quick to this. Um, What we want to do more as a church is to celebrate life change that's happening in your life. And uh, we've done that in the past through videos. I, I love, you know, sometimes just have some, someone come, come on stage every now and then on a Sunday morning or at a small group or something and just say, hey, I just want to share what God's doing in my life. Maybe God has just rocked your world and you are so pumped about the transformation that's happened. Um, if you'd be interested in sharing your story, it doesn't have to be like, you know, it's not going to be a big like 2020 interview. It's just, you know, you could just do a, a little low quality cell phone video. <laughs> I can give you an email address. You can shoot it to. We would love, you could just encourage the people in your church family and say, look, I put on Christ, and this is what it's meant to me. Let me know. My name's Chris. Say, hey, I want to say what people, tell people what Jesus has done for my life because just think about the encouragement someone else has been to you already, and you can do that same thing for somebody else. I just want to put that out there. We're going to wrap up this passage as we close up. He says in verse 15, So, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That word rule is huge. You were setting your minds on other things, but now, you know what? I might not have it all figured out, but I'm going to let the peace of Christ rule. I'm not going to, be, I'm not going to let the stress rule me. I'm not going to let the situation rule me. I'm going to let the peace of Christ rule me, even though sometimes I can't find the handle on life. Like, where is it? Where is it? But, okay, you got this. Carrie Underwood said, Jesus, take the wheel, right? I mean, some kind of, you pick your analogy. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Since as members of one body, that's us, you were called to peace. Here's some encouragement, some advice. Be thankful. Be thankful. You, you want to find God in your life? You can start. Here's the place to start. Get a notebook, get a piece of paper, and write down everything you're thankful for. And when you get stuck, push it off to the side, and come back the same time tomorrow, and write down some more stuff. And when you get stuck, push it aside, and you might still be struggling to find out where God is in all this and where the answers are, but you just keep coming back and you say, but what am I thankful for? How could things be worse? <laughs> what are the things that have been a blessing? I've known people who have done that, and it might not answer all your deepest, darkest questions about eternity, but it'll suddenly put things in perspective for you. You got us totally on your team. Be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You ever wonder why we sing at church on Sunday morning? This is why. It's a way to do it together. Verse 17, this is huge. And whatever you do, 
whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Suddenly, when you've closed yourself with Christ and you've stood at the closet of life, by the way, just like getting dressed every day, you're going to have to stand at that closet every day, probably in the morning. And just like sometimes in your life, you're going to have to have a wardrobe change several times throughout the day, especially if you have an infant. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna come to this closet many times throughout the day. But you keep putting it on, you keep putting it on, and, and it's suddenly so much easier when verse 17 hits that when you're wearing that, whatever you do, whether it's in the words you say or the deeds that you do, whatever it is, you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. First fruits. It's a daily decision. It's a, it's a daily decision. And this, this lesson is going to hit all of us in all kinds of different places. That's beautiful because that's what God does. But let's put God first. Let's give him the best parts of us, starting with what we set our minds and our hearts on. And we're going to explore more of this as we do two more weeks of this. And what does it mean to put God first? And I'm going to tell you, if we can just clothe ourselves with Christ daily, people will, will start coming to us and they'll be like, hey, man, where did you get that outfit? Can, can you show me how to dress my life like that? And you can say, yeah, man, let me, let me just take you to the source. You stand in the closet with them and you help them through the process. Let's give, the God, give God the best of us. Let's give him first fruits. Can I pray for us this morning? God, you're good. Uh, as we stand in this closet, you know, it's just sometimes overwhelming, not knowing really what choices to make and what things we should do. And Lord, you just, you give us grace. You don't say we have to do it perfectly every time. And that's so reassuring because I certainly don't. Lord, help us to make this decision daily, put you on, and to give you everything we got, uh, to give you the best parts of us the good, the bad, and the ugly, to celebrate the wins with you and to seek out the questions and the answers. Lord, we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.